Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at a time. time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Once normal working conditions resume, you're invited to join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations all dedicated to getting things done. Unit B Coworking is located in the historic McKinney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown. For more information, visit unitb.ca. Chapter 5. Go. Uh, you just don't want me to do any preamble. <laughs> this week. I thought uh, I thought people might have been enjoying a little bit of, like, Scott and Nita time before before we uh, we dive into the episode. I know I enjoy Scott and Nita time. Yeah. I mean... I'm biased. At the end of the day, the podcast was so that we could have some Scott and Nita time. That's true. It's a thing, it's a thing we decided to do together. Yeah. Uh, but if you really don't want to, we can oh, no. dive right into the recap. I do. It's just this is when you do the recap. That's well, all. Well, yeah. And you weren't saying anything, so I started. Well, <laughs> to be fair, uh, slight peek behind the curtain, uh, the reason why there was a brief silence is because that was a clear edit point. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So it's it's not that I was at a loss for something to say. <laughs> uh, now I'm at a loss for something to say, though, because you've put me on the spot. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, so, I didn't mean to make it a gotcha. Hopefully everyone's uh, self-quarantining is going well. Mm-hmm. And, so. uh, and everyone is, all of our regular listeners, wherever you may be from around the world, are, uh, are safe and healthy and uh, able to uh, sit back and, and uh, get a little bit of reading done. In the yeah. time that you're those nice little escapist moments, yeah, and uh, and once again, and I know we've said it at the end of several episodes uh, recently, but uh, we appreciate that you're spending a little bit of your time with us. So <laughs> there are a million podcasts out there. Thank you for choosing ours, indeed. But on that note, as Anita is so eager to do, <laughs> let us uh, let us dive into a quick recap of Chapter Five, in which we have a little bit of. Uh, conversation with nosy neighbor mrs oxley marilyn oxley yes uh who gives us a little bit of information about the uh people who are currently living in noonham house on Whittiel lane uh who are apparently not in fact the braids but maybe but are maybe? the braids we're not sure certainly beth is not convinced and so by the end of the chapter after a little bit of uh chatting with Zana and dom decides that maybe it's finally time to just go to the source and call Lewis Braid. And <laughs> that is what segues us into Chapter 6 of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. So Beth begins her quest to get in contact directly with the Braids by getting Ben to set her up an Instagram account so that <laughs> she can actually send a, a, a quick message to Lewis. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked the not quite cliche moment of the 
the parent needs the teenager to help them with the technology part. <laughs> well, uh, Beth has previously mentioned that she does not have Twitter or Instagram accounts. She only has Facebook. And we surmised that might be entirely because of her home massage business. Yes. And that's the reason why she reluctantly uh, got a social media account on a platform. But in this case, Facebook is the one platform that Lewis Braid isn't using. So she needs to go somewhere else. Yeah. And uh, Instagram, I it is. I, I, I get the routing. Like, I understand why she's doing what she's doing. It was just humorous to me that she couldn't do it herself. Yeah, I'm surprised she, she had... called in her teenager to help her. I'm legit surprised she didn't have Xana do it. But uh, there Maybe you go. Maybe Xana wasn't available. Uh, very possible. She sends Lewis a message adding that it is fairly urgent that they get in touch because, of course... Uh, and her kids actually laugh over her use of punctuation like an old. <laughs> She's using punctuation. And then I felt old because I use punctuation. <laughs> uh, look, I I have off and on been a writer through my adult career. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, I also use punctuation for the most part in my texts, unless I'm texting real fast for some reason. And it's just because that's it reads better to me. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. And how you're saying it. Yeah. Anyway. But that's, again, we are olds. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yes, get, get off my lawn. She then starts doing that thing that you do when you look at your phone every few seconds because you're anticipating, a re uh, like, a reply. Obsessing? Yes. Obsessing. Obsessing over a reply, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, we've all done it. Let's, let's be honest. We've all been there. I know. Dom... Tells her that she needs to stop fretting because it could be hours before Lewis gets back to her. And indeed, they're in the UK and the braids are in ostensibly Florida. in Florida. Yeah. There's a five-hour time difference. Specifically, the UK is five hours ahead of Florida. So okay. uh, depending on what time Beth sent this message, there could be quite a delay. The braids could be in bed still. They could be... Well, out and about on their work day. Well, I don't know when she sent it, but she's obsessing over her phone while she's preparing dinner. Yeah, so they might be out at work. Yeah, so it's it's early evening, probably. Granted, it's Sunday, I believe, still, right? Yeah, so it's early evening for them, which means it's lunchtime-ish yeah. in Florida. Yeah. Dom, who's having some wine to take the edge off, obviously, <laughs> because it's been a, a weird couple days, asks Beth if she's okay, never learning what's going on. Yeah, he's... He's trying to brace her for... Disappointment. Yeah. And what he thinks is the inevitable solution of, you're never going to find out what happened. Yeah. It's... You're not going to get an answer. He might never get a hold of you. Well... Will you let this go if you if you don't get a satisfactory answer? And it's the satisfactory answer that I think needs yeah, to be that underscored part's key. here. Because basically Dom is saying, like, there's a distinct possibility that Lewis is not going to have a satisfactory answer for you. Because... At the end of the day, you can't have seen what you think you saw. And so, like, he's not going to confirm what you saw. And are you okay if that is the case? Yeah, if this is the end of it. He's not going to phone her up and be like, oh, yeah, you saw my wife and our two infant children because of d magic. Yeah. He's not going to say that. No. She kind of tells Dom no. She will not be satisfied with that and straight up tells him that she won't accept an answer that she that doesn't confirm what she thinks she saw. To the point of going back to Whittier Lane and interrogating more of the neighbors and basically straight up stalking the, yeah. the caters. Camp, camp out in front of this house until she sees this woman again, confirm that it is or is not Flora, 
meets these children, like whatever it is she's going to do, like stalker level obsessed. Yeah. Dom, rightly perhaps, thinks this is crazy. Yes. Um, he doesn't exactly say that. He he does, however, use the words falling apart. Yeah. I, I feel like that's almost a slip of the tongue. And she gets real defensive about it. Too. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking about this before we recorded. There's a term for it that I cannot think of. It's like confirmation bias, but maybe not quite, where someone trying to like rationalize with you about something makes you dig your heels in even harder in your beliefs. Because people don't like to be wrong. Yeah. She believes it so hard and nothing can convince her otherwise. There is no rationale you can give her that will convince her of anything else. There's a name for that. I don't know what it is. I'm sure someone is screaming it at me in the future. I, I also do not know what term you're looking for, but I am not a psychologist. So Beth is arguing that she is not delusional. If she saw an illusion or some trick of the mind or something, it's not like it's something that has happened before or has happened since. And so with so yeah, no... So her, her thoughts are, like, it can't be me. Yeah, her, her thinking is that she trusts herself because she has no other evidence to suggest that she shouldn't trust herself and what yeah, she saw. She hasn't suffered delusions before. Yeah. She hasn't suffered any new ones since yesterday. Yeah. So she has no reason to doubt what she saw, even if what she saw is patently impossible. This is the point where Dom kind of makes his case. And it's a pretty sound case. It's an almost convincing case. I agree. Uh, but I'm not Beth. Yeah. Basically, he's like, look, you don't have to drop this now, but you are obsessing over something that has literally nothing to do with us. Let's pretend for a moment you did see Flora. And she has changed her name. And she does have two new kids. And she did name them after her old kids. So what? Yeah. What does this have to do with us and our lives and our kids and what they're doing? Right. Like, it is it is nothing to do with us. Can you let it go if you're not going to get the satisfactory answers? Can you let it go if it does turn out that it is Flora and she's been living a weird double life and she does have a second set of kids? Can you let it go? <laughs> what if she opened a time portal and brought these two children forward? Yeah. It still doesn't affect us in any way. Not really. And Beth has to tamp down that urge to get defensive here, but doesn't really have a solid rebuttal to him. Well, how can she? Yeah. He's right. She she kind of walks right up to admitting that maybe she did see something. Maybe it was some kind of stress avoidance. And in that moment, she there something looked off and her mind filled in the blanks. And then she quickly quashes that notion because, of course, she does. Because, of course, she does. Because, that, that is confirmation bias. Because the plot still has to happen. And that, of course, is the exact moment when Lewis texts her back. Yeah. Hey, phone me. Oh, good. So now we get to talk to Lewis. Yeah. But but we also don't, because first we have to walk all the way across the village green to the old jug. What is the point of this? The old jug. The old with an E. Yep. Ye, ye, I'm surprised it's not ye old jug with well, it's, two G's and an E. It's also not uh, actually old, apparently. It is a refurbished pub, <laughs> which has split the village. Uh, between the diehards who really are just bent out of shape over the fact that the the old pub was turned into the old jug, and the people who don't care, chiefly led by Dom, actually. Yeah, who doesn't care? Okay, so have you seen 
Have you seen Hot Fuzz? Spoilers if you haven't seen Hot Fuzz. Um, these are the crazy obsessed villagers with having the best village and their village aesthetic. Shut it! That they care. That they care so much that their pub has been refurbished into something like new and themed, and has changed in any way whatsoever. Now you're talking about how this is. Uh, you don't understand why this tangent is happening, but I think it's pretty obvious why this tangent is happening. And it's not just because Beth wants to get out of the house away from where the kids can continue to eavesdrop on them. This is true. Uh, this is another side tangent about how things change and how people have trouble coping with it. Yes. And who is the person who is most at ease with the change and is totally cool with the fact that it happened? Dom. Dom. Huh. Yeah. I know. Weird. I know, right? Weird how that happened. Crazy. Yeah. So I'm just saying, let's uh, let's put a pin in that because that is probably pertinent. <laughs> that's that's going to matter. So we're just going to pin that over here. Yeah. So they do head over to the pub because they are friends with the owners of the pub because they have frequented it since the change. <laughs> and uh, Dom thinks it's silly. But again, as I mentioned before, Beth wants a little bit of privacy because she's concerned that their house is too noisy. The kids are around and they're just going to eavesdrop. She wants nothing to distract her from this conversation. She, in fact, even admits in this moment, this is kind of why she does all of her admin so late at night, because she can't focus when Ben and Xana are home. Yeah. And it, she, But she can when they're asleep. I get that. Yeah. They get to the pub. The owners let them upstairs to their flat so that they can have a little bit of privacy. Really, no questions asked. They're just like, yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah. Whatever. This feels like an extreme measure to get some privacy, but I'll allow it. Uh, Lewis answers the phone immediately, and he is his usual boastful self, as we are led to believe, uh, happy to share deets about the fam, and indeed shares plenty of deets about the fam. Yeah. According to Lewis, who we have no reason not to trust, Flora is with him in Florida, and yep. loving it in Florida. Yeah. The kids are, quote, so American now, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> they uh, are teenagers. Yeah. Georgina is there. Georgina is She's 12 years 12 old. 12 years old now. Yep. They so, do they do get up to the UK from time to time, but only really for Christmas, and they all squeeze into Flora's parents' place. Beth gets a little, like, weirded out when he starts talking about... She, they get kind of sidetracked on the topic of time, how much time has passed. Oh, wouldn't it be great if we could have had more time? Um, and she kind of gets, like, weirded out about it, especially when he starts talking about his podcast life coaches. <laughs> Louis Braid, listening to podcasts. Yay. Good habit to have. Sorry, it's the life coaches part that throws me. <laughs> we are not a life coaching podcast. No, goodness, no. And uh, I would highly recommend you do not rely on us for any life coaching Heavens whatsoever. No, no, no. The, part, the part that throws me is everything they've, they've talked about Lewis so far seems to me that he wouldn't go to a podcast to get his life coaching, that he would, in fact, hire an actual live personal life coach why when you can listen to podcasts yes but he is wealthy and he can afford these things now yeah but he also might be frugal and wants to continue to be wealthy and not give his money to a life coach fair enough beth tells him that she's become a massage therapist and he cracks a joke which based on beth's memories of him from previous chapters is very on brand for lewis braid i don't know if i've said this before or not if if Lewis Braid was a real person that I was somehow associated with in my life, I would not be able to stand him. He is the worst. <laughs> to his credit, though, when she has an opportunity to explain 
exactly what it is that she does, he gets real interested in it, actually. Uh And And spins it towards uh, self-service. Well, sure, but he's legit like, would you be able to help me with my tennis arm? Like, that sounds awesome. (laughs) Because I have not been able to do anything about it. And Beth legitimately talks shop with him for a moment and is like, well, most, like hack massage therapists don't know that you need to touch you need to deal with this ligament and that just attaches we're getting off top this year this year the other thing i know what i'm talking about i can totally do this uh she uses this as her opportunity to kind of segue into the visit to newnham house on Whittier lane and lewis asks her what she was doing there in a way that makes her worry that he's a little suspicious about it but is probably innocent where he's just like what were you doing there well that's just it see we're we're getting it from Beth's point of view. Yes. So everything is suspicious. So everything is kind of suspicious. It yeah. might have been a legitimately innocent question that she's just hearing wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and indeed, he seems more interested in talking about his tennis elbow than in talking about whatever is going on in Whittier Lane. Yeah. I which don't care about there. I don't live there anymore. Could be read as him changing the subject abruptly. Maybe. Or could just be him legitimately more concerned about his arm than a house he used to live in. I'm sure in Beth's head, he is purposely changing the subject. Almost certainly, as we will get to later in the chapter. Yeah. Uh, Lewis gets to the point of insisting that Beth and the family come visit them in Florida sometime soon. Like, we need to, like, you need to come visit. You need to come over and visit us. Okay, but does he really mean it or is he just being... Kind of like friendly. Uh, Beth certainly like, yeah, reads it. Yeah, you should it. totally come visit. Beth certainly reads it as the being friendly, mm-hmm. but it could be legit. It could be. Um, this is also when Flora pops up in the background of the phone call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Beth asks if she can talk we'll, to Flora. We'll get there. Yeah, Beth asks if she can talk to Flora, but she is indisposed. She's getting out of the bath or something. Yeah. And uh, basically asks if she can call back in five to ten minutes. Beth consents, and Lewis ends the call. And Flora calls back just moments later. It's definitely her. Uh, Beth, at this juncture, decides, look, I'm just going to square with you. I had this weird experience on Woody Lane the other day. I could have sworn I saw you and Thomas and Emily, who were still little kids, and, like, I wanted, I just want to know what's going on. Like, what's what's up with that? What did I see? And Flora's just kind of like, well, I'm in Florida, so it couldn't have been me. it definitely wasn't me. The kids are all grown up, so it definitely wasn't them. So you can't have seen what you think you saw? And then she's like, look, Beth, I hate to cut this short. Someone's at the door. I will have to call you back another time. Click. Beth is not buying this. Of course not. Flora bailed on the conversation with a friend she hasn't heard from in years when anyone else could have gone and answered the door. Weird. She has uh, a blocked caller ID, so there's no way to tell if she actually called from Florida. And the Florida line to Lewis's is suddenly busy. Weird. It strikes her as weird that Flora had to make a separate call from Lewis when couldn't Lewis have just handed the phone over? Weird. And she remembers Flora using the word lucky in the conversation. And she recognizes it from when she saw Flora talk about being lucky on Whittier Lane when she was certain she saw Flora. Okay, so... That whole list you just gave. Yep. All the stuff that makes Beth suspicious. Yes. All of it. Circumstantial. Absolutely. You can justify it several different ways. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. It does not. For all we know, this could just be Beth's descent into madness. Well, here's... Not anything weird happening with Flora. Here's the most damning hole in her train of logic here. 
when she was talking to Lewis, she heard Flora pipe up in the background, and it was definitely her. Right. So that means that Lewis and Flora have to be in the same location, right? One would assume. So her suspicion, well, Flora's calling from a separate line, so maybe they're not in the same place. You, you heard her in the background of Lewis's conversation with you. Yeah. They're in the same place. Okay, so the repetition of... They might they the might word, not be in Florida. But they're in the same place. But they're in the same place. So the, uh, the repetition of the word lucky mm-hmm. that has stuck with Beth, mm-hmm. is she suggesting... That Lewis has a recording of Flora that he is playing in the background, and it's the same words? Oh, maybe. Because that seems a little far-fetched to me. Also, it means he would have to have it at the ready. Yeah, which is weird. Right? Yeah. Which is why it seems a little far-fetched to me. Yeah. Like, yes, she messaged him, and yes, he called her back, so... In theory, he would have had time to prepare or obtain a recording of Flora, but why? And then call Flora and have her call Beth. Right? Second point, it's not weird to have a blocked number. Especially when you're a CEO for a reasonably sized company. Right? And you don't want people to know your home phone number. Right? So... Yeah, if she if she normally has a blocked number, she's not she's probably not going to think to unblock it for the one call she's going to make to a friend. Yeah, especially a friend who is expecting her to who she might not actually want to talk to. Yeah, for other reasons that have not been revealed to us yet. Indeed. Uh, further to that, actually, there is nothing in this chapter to suggest that there's any sort of hard feelings between Flora and Lewis and Beth. Not really. Beth is the only one with hard feelings, I think. Which seems to poke a hole in Beth's idea that she and Flora broke up mutually and angrily with one another. Because Flora called her back instantly, seemed to have, was willing to hear her out immediately about her weird story. Mm -hmm. She did cut the conversation short. But possibly with a good excuse. Possibly. Beth is suspicious of it, but it could have been a good excuse. Well, that's just it. Everything is colored through Beth's eyes for us, right? But if you look beyond that yeah maybe there was somebody at the door maybe it was important for all she knows Flora's expecting someone yeah and it's important yeah and just because she didn't say so because really it's none of beth's business not really see (laughs) i can come up with a perfectly reasonable explanation for everything that beth is suspicious of well and i feel like that's kind of the intention behind behind the chapter and and that we're meant to not necessarily trust beth and her perspective here I'm beginning to really lean into her being an unreliable narrator. She is suspicious of what's going on, and she's picking up on little clues that are making her more suspicious, but could be innocent, completely innocent. She's she's she's, using using these little... She's jumping to conclusions and using these little details that might not mean anything to, like, further her obsession. But... It's, and, like, raise her own suspicions. Yeah, but it, she's not even certain what she's supposed to be suspicious of, because she, what she thinks she saw is impossible. Yes. Like, she's so convinced it's possi- she saw it's it possible. that she's justifying this weird conspiracy. Yeah, it's possible she saw Flora. But, in theory, it's impossible that she saw the kids, because the kids have to have aged. And, indeed, there is proof that they have. Yeah. So... She can't have seen the kids. If nothing else, she can't have seen the kids. 
she might have seen two other kids who might have been named Thomas and Emily, but she can't have seen the Thomas and Emily. Mm -hmm. So she, like, legitimately, she doesn't know what she's trying to prove. She's just certain there's something to prove. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And and it is, like, at this juncture, it is obsession. It was obsession practically from the moment she got home. Yeah. And it is starting to really weird out Dom in particular. Have I ever told you my doppelganger story? No. No? I was driving back into town from visiting my folks. And uh, on the edge of town, on the highway, in the car next to me, was my friend Angela. Okay. I hadn't seen Angela in months. And I managed to get her attention and wave at her. And she very excitedly waved back. And she mentioned that we should pull over because she wanted to talk to me. And I went, that's awesome. I haven't seen Ange in months. So we pulled off the highway and into a parking lot. We got out of our cars. We approached each other with big smiles and big hugs. And then we took a step back and looked at each other. And she said, you're not Kristen. <laughs> and I said, you're not Ange. I had encountered a complete stranger on the highway who was the spitting image of my friend Angela. And apparently, out of sheer coincidence, I was the spitting image of her friend Kristen. We, we both looked at each other rather astonished, said, all right then. I gave her directions back to the road so she could get where she was going, and I got back in my car. Had we not stopped and spoken to each other, I would have thought, hey, I saw my friend Ange. Yeah. And nothing else would have ever come of it. The difference between me and Beth is that I would not have obsessed over it. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But it... But... Had we not pulled over, I would have been very convinced that I saw my friend Ange. There you go. I'm just saying, she might not have seen what she thought she saw, because that's how things work sometimes. It's true. But we don't know. <laughs> we don't, and now there's a whole book about it. Well, and the question becomes, is the trajectory of the book uh, Beth's descent into obsession and madness, or... Is she actually right? And there is a weird mystery that needs to be uncovered. And the twist is she was right all along and everyone, including us, doubted her. Yeah. And things are going to take a turn, right? Well, they might yet. It is a thriller. Know. I'm more inclined to think we're heading towards madness. Okay. I could be wrong. Fair enough. No spoilers. We haven't read ahead. No, we have not. And we might yet be surprised by clones or ghosts. Oh, I have a new one. Okay. So I was playing What If. So What If... Flora actually is in the UK on Whittier Lane. Mm -hmm. And what if she is actually using the name Cater? Mm -hmm. That means she has a secret twin sister. Uh, actually, I had I had briefly flirted with the idea of the secret twin sister as well. Yeah. But I, I scratched it out of my notes. I didn't bring it up. Well, here's where it all falls apart. Okay. Because Lewis would have to be in on it. Y well, Yes. Lewis would have to, in theory, know about the twin sister. Yes. And it would be weird for Beth and Dom not to know that Flora, especially if Beth and Flora were as close as they were. Right. For she her would not know, to know that she has a twin sister. She would know that she would have a twin sister. Right? Yeah. Also, uh, as if they are identical, uh, identical twins, as you get older, you get less identical. You get less identical. So it also falls apart there. I'm not saying it's a good thing. But I mean, <laughs> there are you, holes. But if you haven't seen someone in 12 years and then you run into their identical twin, I could see why, even if they weren't as identical yeah. anymore, you would still maybe mistake them. Yeah, simple case of mistaken identity. Yeah. And if her twin sister happened to also if her, have if children. If her twin sister, Jeanette, <laughs> who has married this cater guy, uh, has two children, 
later on. It's possible that they would look like Thomas and Emily. Because there would be the... Family resemblance with their mom, at least. Yeah. It would be weird if she also named them Thomas and Emily. It would be weird. Which would be the big hole in that. Yes. Um, Again, I'm not saying it's it's a sound theory. There are lots of problems with it. But Secret Twin is my my new wild and... (laughs) My new wild and very unsupported theory. All right. Well, we've done some more irresponsible speculation, which is... Really, at the end of the day, what this podcast is all about. Ooh, what if it's a time bubble? What if we're into, like, weird Doctor Who timey-wimey stuff? Huh? I have no answer to that question. <laughs> Scott's giving me a look. Okay, enough with the weird theories. Uh, well, we perhaps will learn more about what is going on as we uh, segue into Chapter 7 of our novel yes. for next week. So, uh, of course, you will want to read up on that. And uh, in the meantime... You know, one of the things that's been going on in this book is that uh, Beth has constantly been astounded by how things are changing in the world today and is kind of leaning on her her teenagers to keep her uh, up to speed on the modern world and especially things like technology and whatnot. And as it happens, there is a podcast in the Alberta Podcast Network that is just about that. Hello and welcome to That's a Thing, a sometimes belated, already outdated guide to your teens, tweens, and everything under 20. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Karen. Every month we have a conversation across the generation gap about media, pop culture, society, the internet, that kind of thing. Karen is my mom, and she's old. (laughs) I am her daughter, and I am young. Together we are one human being, here to share with you. Sometimes we bring in another human being, who's Elizabeth's brother, John, to do a deep dive into memes and stuff like that. Hi. Thank you, John. Uh, we were named the Outstanding Kids and Family Series at the 2020 Canadian Podcast Awards, so we have that going for us. Yes, and we will brag about it until the day the podcast ends, because I am petty. <laughs> You can find That's a Thing in the podcatcher of your choice. That is That's a Thing, question mark, exclamation point. You can also find us at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Is that everything? I think that's it. Thanks, sweetheart. Bye. Another smooth segue by Scott Bourgeois. That's how I roll. <laughs> so yeah, that's a thing. Karen Unland, of course, the founder of the Alberta Podcast Network. We like Karen. Also, uh, just an all-around uh, sweet and awesome person. Yeah, and uh, you should definitely listen to her and her daughter talk about everything. Because <laughs> it's delightful. Listen to a young explain things to an old. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> As you do. Uh, while you're listening to them, you might also uh, check out some of the other Alberta Podcast Network podcasts. Uh, there are plenty of them dozens upon dozens yeah and you likely have a little extra time to listen to some podcasts right now Uh, you can check them out on the website albertapodcastnetwork.com you can check them out on the ckua app where we are all generously hosted uh you can find us on most podcatchers yeah once you find one you like uh probably available on your podcatcher of choice yeah definitely uh give us a rating and a review while you're at that podcatcher of choice because that helps us out yeah feedback is good yeah um you can also find us on all of your assorted social medias and you hopefully don't have to sign up for an instagram account <laughs> to to get in touch with us well no because we have options uh we are at the read along at most of these places uh twitter 
Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. Yeah. And uh, you can also send us an email if you want. Yes, thereadalong at gmail.com. And as always, we'll see you next time. Timey wimey. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.